There are two readings this morning. The first is from Romans chapter 7, verses 1 to 6, on page 861 of the Pew Bible. Now, dear brothers and sisters, you who are familiar with the law, don't you know that the law applies only while a person is living? For example, when a woman marries, the law binds her to her husband as long as he lives. But if he dies, the laws of marriage no longer apply to her. So while her husband is alive, she would be committing adultery if she married another man. But if her husband dies, she is free from that law and does not commit adultery when she remarries. So, dear brothers and sisters, this is the point. You died to the power of the law when you died with Christ. And now you are united with the one who was raised from the dead. As a result, you can produce a harvest of good deeds for God. When we were controlled by our old nature, sinful desires were at work within us. And the law aroused these evil desires that produced a harvest of sinful deeds, resulting in death. But we have been released from the law, for he, we died to it and are no longer captive to its power. Now we can serve God, not in the old way of obeying the letter of the law, but in the new way of living in the spirit. And the second reading is Jeremiah chapter 31 on page 599, starting at verse 31. The day is coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and Judah. This covenant will not be like the one I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand and brought them out of the land of Egypt. They broke that covenant, though I loved them as a husband loves his wife, says the Lord. But this is the new covenant I will make with the people of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my instructions deep within them, and I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. And they will not need to teach their neighbours, nor will they need to teach their relatives, saying, You should know the Lord. For everyone, from the least to the greatest, will know me already, says the Lord. And I will forgive their wickedness, and I will never again remember their sins. This, St Andrews, is God's word. Let's pray. Gracious Lord, we thank you for your word. And we ask that as we come to meditate on it, reflect on it, that you would do a miracle in our hearts this morning that our hearts would be open to what you are saying. We pray for me, the one who brings this message, that what I would say would be faithful and true to your word. And we pray, Lord, for the hearts of those listening, both here, on later on the podcast and on YouTube, that you would open our hearts to have hear what you wish to say. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, just as a, a bit of a disclaimer, occasionally 
uh, if, if you feel me uh, during, and this is in any sermon actually, that I'm explaining one plus one equals two, and you already know this stuff, and I say, as you know, and I explain you stuff that's one plus one. Don't think it that I don't think you don't know, but we actually have uh, often in, in St. Andrews, sometimes at the first service and quite often at the second, we have people who turn up to church for the first time in their life, have never been to church in their whole life. They know nothing of the Bible. When they hear the word Old Testament and New Testament, they wouldn't have a clue what that means. Of course, as you know, New Zealand is a very godless society. Most of the generations of those under 40 have no idea about the Christian faith. We're one of the most non-religious countries in the West. And so when people are spiritually hungry and turn up to church for the first time, uh, uh, then they've got no idea. So I'm often explaining uh, things that those who have grown up in church, 40 or 50 years ago in New Zealand, some of these main concepts would be well known. And of course, in other countries where, where there's an understanding of Christian faith. So occasionally, if you hear me explaining things, just remember, we've often got new spiritual seekers who are turning up, which is great, isn't it? They're actually hungry to know. Uh, and um, uh, so a couple of weeks ago, when I did communion, one of the kids who's coming from this background said, I don't the blood of Jesus. Uh, so um, um, I was like, yeah, that would sort of be a bit weird. If you turned up to church for the first time on communion, hearing about the body and blood of Jesus and eating it, that would be a bit rough. Um, um, anyway, we don't get on. So I'm going to read the passage there in Romans again. This is the second part of it. So my dear brothers and sisters, this is the point. You died to the power of the law when you died with Christ. And now you're united with the one who was raised from the dead. As a result, we can produce a harvest of good deeds for God. Verse 5, when we were controlled by our old nature, sinful desires were at work within us. And the law aroused these evil desires that produced a harvest of sinful deeds, resulting in death. But now we've been released from the law. We died to it and no longer captive to its power. But now we can serve God, but not in the old way of obeying the letter of the law, but in the new way of living in the Spirit. Let me read that last verse again. This is a key verse here. Now we can serve God, not in the old way of obeying the letter of the law, but in the new way of living in the Spirit. So those raised in the Christian faith or have been a Christian for a while, you'll know all about the Old Testament and the New Testament in the Bible. How in the Old Testament, there's a part of it that's called the Mosaic Law, which includes both a moral code and a ceremonial code. The moral code being the Ten Commandments and some other commandments as well. And the ceremonial laws of the Mosaic Code being laws about worship, sacrifice, and so forth. I know you just love reading your Leviticus. It, you know, there it is, reading chapters of it at night. You go, oh, can't get more of Deuteronomy, all, those, all that stuff of the Old Testament. Uh, I, you know, it, I did a whole sermon series actually in, in my last church all through the book of Leviticus. The church just loved it. And so the Moral Code uh, and the Ten Commandments gives that sort of thing. So mo you will know in Christians today, both Jewish Christians and everyone, else that we're not under the ceremonial law of the old covenant. We're under the new covenant, though large parts of the moral code that's in the Old Testament is repeated in the New Testament and still does apply to us. But why is it the case that we're no longer under the power of the whole Mosaic code? And secondly, and more possibly more relevant for us, what is the key difference between the law's role in our lives in the Old Testament and its role in our lives in the New Testament. 
Now, I do realize that actually these are two questions that you possibly haven't been keeping up at night. You're not really thinking about it. But it is, it is the questions that have come out of the text. And we are working our way through Romans, so that's what we're going to be looking at this morning. And I trust that through the power of the Holy Spirit that your hearts would be transformed this morning as we look into this. So Paul gives this analogy in the first part of this morning's reading, an analogy of marriage and the law. So what I want to do is I want to follow that example and give you a tale of two marriages, a tale of duty to delight. You guys with me? All right, let's go. So imagine being in a time and a culture where there is an arranged marriages and uh, your parents or the village or whoever arranges for you to get married. So you get married. And your spouse, your partner, is a dutiful partner who fulfills all of the requirements of the law to you. Maybe with a resigned sort of, I don't like you attitude, but they do it. And on your behalf, you know that you have this long list of duties and expectations that you have to fulfill to be a good spouse. All right, expectations about parenting, about how to treat the in-laws, about how to treat each other. So every day, this list of expectations sits on your shoulders. But you're in a loveless marriage, committed, lifelong, but loveless. All right, so that's the thing. Under this situation, if you just walked out on the marriage and went with someone else, you would be cheating and having an affair. So you're stuck. But then imagine your spouse dies, their time comes, and they die. Your parents aren't around or in a position to get you another arranged marriage, so you're free. And then imagine that you meet the person of your dreams. You have physical chemistry, but so much more. Your hearts are connected. Your girlfriend or boyfriend loves you so much they're willing to die for you, so you marry. And your marriage goes from the first marriage of duty to delight. And in the second marriage, you don't feel that there's really any particular burdensome laws or duties because the very duties of the marriage are a joy and delight. So if you're a husband, every day after working a 10-hour shift at the factory, you come home, you love your wife so much that you want to spend a couple of hours coming up with new creative dishes, exotic dishes, just to please your wife. And there is your working those for those two hours to put it all together. You say to your wife, oh, no, don't do the dishes. I'll do the dishes every day looking for new exotic things. But it's not a burden. Your heart has been moved, and you're doing it out of delight. And if you're the wife, you want to hold your husband's hand not because it's a duty that you've been told to do, but because uh, and out of a heart of delight. In a sense, you're dead to all of the duties as a burden on your shoulders from the first marriage. Now in the second marriage, out of love, those laws are written on your heart. Are you with me? Are you following me here? Your marriage isn't ruleless. There's still boundaries. But it's not like you have a checklist today to, of a list of things to be a dutiful husband or a wife, but rather out of love, out of joy, you serve because of the love that's in your heart. The first marriage was a marriage of duty and expectations, and the second one is our delight and desire. The laws are written on your heart. There's a desire to do it. So we, as I said, we're carrying on with our series on the book of Romans, our passage-by-passage -passage look at this book of God's Word. And Paul is explaining the power 
of what Christ has done in the, in the hearts of those who believe. Now remember, when he wrote this letter 2,000 years ago, there in that early church in Rome, there were Jewish background believers who were marinated in the Torah. They knew the Old Testament through, like backwards and forwards. And then there was also the pagan Gentile Romans. Many of them had wild pagan Roman lives doing all the sorts of things you, you shouldn't do. They were the bad boys and bad girls. But some of them also had gone along to the synagogues. They were the God-fearers. And then they had a bit of a knowledge about the Old Testament. Maybe not as much as those who had grown up as Jewish background, but they had some idea about it. And when Paul was writing his letter, he was writing it to these Jewish Christians and Gentile Christians in the city of Rome. And he was explaining why, what the whole thing of under Christ about the whole being released from the ceremonial law. Right, so he goes on and says the Old Testament laws, they were not bad in any way. God created the laws in the Old Testament. You know this, right? And they had a divine purpose, showing right from wrong. And they were to help. The Mosaic Code was to help the Jewish people to reflect their chosen nation status. And they also had this ceremonial system, which was preparing and pointing the way to the Messiah. All the sacrificial system with the Passover lamb and all the lambs and things were pointing to what Jesus would do on the cross. But the one thing the Old Testament laws couldn't do was save anyone or change a person's heart. In fact, we had a look at this a few weeks ago. Just knowing the law without a heart change increases your guilt. Do you remember how I did that message on that? And I, I talked about Earl Road and Law Code. You can jump back on YouTube if you want to watch that again. Knowing the law, knowing the Bible, without having your heart impacted by Christ just increases your guilt. Now, the fault wasn't with God. He was loving. It wasn't with the laws. They were good and perfect. The problem is entirely with the human heart, with my human heart. But Jeremiah then gives this prophecy many centuries before Christ came, that one day there would be a new covenant, that one day would fulfill and complete the Old Testament system, and that we would be released from the power of the whole system of the Mosaic law. Here's what he says, and he gives it in terms of almost a marriage analogy. The day is coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and Judah. This covenant will not be like the one I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand and brought them out of the land of Egypt. They broke that covenant, though I loved them as a husband loves his wife, says the Lord. But this is the new covenant I will make with the people of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my instructions deep within them. And I'll write them on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. And they will not need to teach other neighbors, nor will they need to teach their relatives, saying, You should know the Lord, for everyone from the least to the greatest will know me already, says the Lord. And I will forgive their wickedness, and I will never again remember their sins. So Paul tells nearly all of the early Jewish believers of the Church of Rome, particularly the Jewish background believers, that in Christ... They have died to the ceremonial laws. They are free. He puts it in terms of an illustration of marriage, death, and remarriage. Your old spouse is dead. You're dead to the Old Testament ceremonial laws. You're now joined with Christ. So Mu, uh, one of the um, 
uh, one of the scholars for, for Romans argues that we're dead to the whole system, the power of the whole system. We, that's why we can turn up with mixing two materials this morning. Isn't that great? You don't have to worry about not mixing your materials and all the other little itty-mitty laws. If we were under 2,000 years ago and, and you were wanting to follow the Lord, then if you're a guy, you would have to get the snip. You'd have to get circumcised, which is one of the reasons there were more women followers of Judaism who came from, the, from pagan backgrounds. Lots of guys weren't wanting to go under that operation without anesthetic. They're a bit painful. And so that was, that was a fact. So all that, that whole system, but under Christ, we are the circumcision, says the Bible. We are, we are in Christ. We're free from the power of that system. And so therefore, we're free from that. Right? That's, and that was what Paul was getting to. Under the Old Testament, you became a believer, you would be expected to obey all of the most laws, even if you'd come from a Gentile background. But now we're dead to the power of that law. But secondly, there's, and this is a difference that's possibly, I think, more relevant to us this morning, is the way the Old Testament and New Testament laws work in our lives. In the Old Testament, it's more of a burden on our shoulders that no one was able to keep. And in the New Testament, for those who give their lives to Christ, God writes the laws on their heart. I want to read the passage to you again. But this is the new covenant I will make with my people Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my instructions deep within them, and I'll write them on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. This writing on the hearts is, is saying, you don't, it's not a list of instructions, do this, do this, do that, be good religious people, follow all these rules. It's this example of actually our hearts being transformed by the Holy Spirit. Right? Using the marriage example, the first marriage, you're told to say you love your spouse, so you get up every morning, I love you. Right? Because you're told to do it. Oh, I've got to have a good marriage. I need to say to my spouse every day, I love you. If that's a duty and you obey the outward letter of the law, you're really missing the point. And that's what Paul gets to. We're not following the letter of the law, but actually in the way of the Spirit. In the second marriage, your heart has been changed. So here's a question. Has your heart been changed? Or are you here at the church because church is the cultural expectation? Turn up to church, do these religious things, stand up, sit down, tick the box and go out the door. But you've never once encountered Jesus Christ and the Spirit is within you. Are you under the first marriage where we're just outward religious? Or have you encountered the one, the true and the living God? Let me give you an example from my own personal life. And this is an example that doesn't make me look very good, but it's a true story of what God has done in my heart. So when I got married to Catherine, uh, I was 21. And I have to say, I was pretty narcissistic, shallow, and selfish. So this is really embarrassing to admit this. But we had kids pretty early. And do you know that this is really horrible, that kids wake up in the middle of the night when you have new babies? Does anyone know that? Why, why, why don't they sleep through the whole night? I mean, anyway, it was just it was like, it's like, what are you doing? So during the time we had these babies, they would just start waking up in the middle of the morning. And in three, two, and then sometimes every two hours. I mean, it's like a torture chamber waking up every two hours. You can't even get REM sleep. And so I, I confess, there it was. I could hear the baby crying. And what I would do is I totally do not want to get out of bed and go and get the baby. And so Catherine would go, Alistair, Alistair. Do you want to get James or Grace or Daniel? I, <laughs> I was pretending I was asleep. And, and so, and she'd go, ah. Oh. She'd hear the slight, the slight thing. She'd say, oh, get him. And so off she'd go and do that. And I did that. I was like, 
that's so great. I've just come across the golden thing. Just pretend I'm asleep and I can just sleep the whole night. This is great. And so large numbers of times I was doing this and I'm looking at some experiences and be looking at me like, you horrible husband. Yes, I was a horrible husband. And so the years went on. But now, you know, in the last few months, my wife has been diagnosed with terminal cancer. And when the doctors said she's got six months to live, and over the last few weeks, I've seen as her energy levels have decreased and her pain levels have gone up. And, and sometimes I choose the pain in the middle of the night and I wake up and, and without asking, I say, do you need me to get uh, the hot water bottle or the things? Can I go downstairs? And she says, yeah, that would be really handy. And suddenly it's like my whole heart has changed. Why? It's now or never. If the Lord takes my wife to be, to be with her in glory, it's now or never. And my whole heart has been changed. I was an old husband of duty and regulations. What's in it for me? And now Jesus Christ has changed my heart. It is the greatest delight to go down and get a hot water bottle for my wife because I love her. Do you understand? And so the question is, what marriage are you under this morning? Is it duty and expectations, external religion, or has God transformed your heart? Uh, I tell you, even a hard religious heart like mine, God can reach it and change it. And now I've come from religion to a heart of delight. And this is what Paul is getting at. So Paul says, we've died to the law. We're now united as Christ. As a result, we can produce from that changed heart a harvest of good deeds for the Lord. Actually, there is good works that come from it. But it's not from the letter of the law. It's from a heart that's moved to go get a hot water bottle, Panadol, pain relief, or other things that comes from a changed heart or whatever good deeds the Lord is calling you. So applications. First, know that most Christians around the world, you know, around, uh, we, you know, the, uh, I know the Old Testament ceremonial law is a million miles away, but it's still good to know why aren't we bound under the Mosaic law? Because we're under the new covenant. It was prophesied in the Old Testament. Jesus came and we're released from the Mosaic law. So some people just say, you know, when they're talking about, you know, as I know it's controversial, uh, homosexuality or other things like that. And they say, oh, but you don't do the whole uh, uh, ceremonial law, the two, the two materials. So why are we bound by that? Well, that's the ceremonial law from the Old Testament. We're, we're released from that, but not from the moral code. All right. And same for Jewish Christians today. They don't need to keep kosher laws if they don't wish to. But, we, but now we have been released from the law if we died to it and are no longer captive to its power. But much more importantly for us today is the heart posture we need to have. And it's a heart posture where if you know Jesus Christ, this is not outward religion, you have encountered the Lord, then what moves your heart is delight. You delight to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind and soul and strength. And you delight out of that work that he's done in your heart to love your neighbor as yourself. Even for me, to love my wife. How about you? Let's pray. Gracious Lord, we thank you for your word as we work our way through this book of Romans. And I pray that here at St. Andrews that we would have uh, the second marriage in that picture, a marriage of delight, a marriage where we have encountered you in our hearts and that you have transformed us. And out of this heart that has been changed, we delight to do your will, to love you with all of our heart, mind, and soul. And we delight to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. Not out of duty and religious expectation, because we've been released from the law, 
but out of the heart change that you bring. And this would indeed be a harvest of good deeds that would honor you. In Jesus' name, amen.